0: Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. On today's episode, I sit down and have a fantastic discussion with Abigail and Barry Hummel of the Pops on Hops podcast. Let's get into it. welcome back to the what am i making podcast i'm maddie c i'm your host how are you you had a good week how's the weekend are you listening to this on monday again i'm coming to you in the future so i don't necessarily know when you're hearing this or uh what's going on in the world or what's going on in my world but uh, i hope you're well wherever this finds you um just a quick personal update it's been kind of a weird week uh not bad but just kind of strange um, uh, I definitely feel the black dog of depression kind of barking at the door. Um, it hasn't, uh, come in the house and started making a mess yet, but it's there. And I can kind of feel it hanging around. Um, the anxiety's been kind of, uh, kind of on, on, on point a little bit, been up, been up and, uh, around and poking its head in places. Um, but the sunshine is out, uh, as I record this today in the great state of Michigan. And that is a good thing. Um, things have been really busy and great over at the Substack. Um, holy cow, you guys have been amazing. I think, uh, every day last week, I got a new subscriber. Uh, some of those were free. Some of them were paid, but there was a new subscriber every day. You have no idea how encouraging that is. I know it's, it's small growth. It's simple. Some days it was several people. Some days it was one. Um, but it's amazing and I appreciate it. If you're enjoying what I'm doing, uh, your subscriptions mean the world. And if you can afford to support with a paid subscription, that's how we keep doing this. Um, as my friend Pete Dominic likes to say, this is uh, this is free, but it ain't cheap. So um, I love doing this work. I'm really proud of this work. I'm really excited about it, and I love having these conversations, but I need paid subscribers to keep doing that. So if you're interested and you want to support, please head over to whatamimaking.substack.com, and you can sign up for a paid subscription. Um, want to make sure that you guys all saw that I posted a piece last week called uh, Next Stop Adulthood that came out last Wednesday. And that is the longest thing that I've published. I don't necessarily know that that's a selling point, but, uh, I'm really proud of it. It's a, it's a piece that I had first started a full decade ago, um, about a bus trip that I took in the summer of 1986 when I was 14 years old. And, um, I went up to see my grandparents and wound up kind of being in the middle of a family tragedy. And there were a lot of lessons learned in that process. And I'm still unfolding some of that trauma, to be very honest with you, but, it was time for me to publish this piece, and um, I'm really, really proud of it. If you haven't had a chance to get over there, I know that it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a deep dive. I think uh, I think it I think that Substack said it takes a half hour to read it, so I understand that it's a time commitment. And if you've done that, I appreciate it. Um, but like I said, I think it was a story worth telling, and the feedback's been really, really nice, and I appreciate it. Um, I'm also headed out on a house show tour. For those of you who may not know, I'm also a musician. I play in a couple bands called Harbor Code and The Stickarounds. And uh, I'm going to be out in the first half of July uh, across much of the eastern half of the United States. I think it's 10 or 11 states that we have sort of earmarked for shows. Um, It's 16 shows in 17 days. It's insane. Um, But that's what you got to do. And you can also learn a lot more about the idea of house shows and house concerts over – at uh, my website at phonoporecords.com slash house shows or you can go to stack and you can find an article that I put up there that has some dates and some info along with that link. But make sure that uh if you're out there you want to you want to see me, you want to say hi to Maddie C, that's gonna be a way that I'm out there early this summer, so make sure you check that out. We'll have new podcast episodes every Monday. Make sure you're subscribing in whatever uh, pod feed you use. Make sure you give us a rating and a review in the pod feed of your choice if you would. And, uh, always share with a friend. You know, if you can let folks know about this, that's a great way for us to help grow this audience. And again, that's what it takes to to keep this thing going. Uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes of it. Um, so my conversation today is with my friends, Barry and Abigail Hummel, who uh, have a podcast called Pops on Hops. I love listening to Barry and Abigail talk about records and beer. Now, certainly it helps that there are a few things in this world that I would rather do than talk music over a pint of beer. But for me, the real joy of Pops on Hops is the connection and the conversation between a daughter and her dad. So the way it works is on each episode of Pops on Hops, the Hummels pick a record. One of them picks a record and then the other one chooses a brewery and a flight of beer from that brewery and they go through the two of them together. So they go through the record track by track, and they talk about their feelings, their impressions, and in the case of the person who is is sort of presenting the record, their attachment to the songs. And what begins as a conversation about music and beer usually leads to deeper discussions and a connection between a parent and a child that is palpable and also beautiful. As the dad of two adult daughters, the Hummels seem tailor-made for a dude like me. Now, while I do fit their demographic pretty perfectly, I really believe there is something here in the Pops on Hops universe for everyone. Some of my favorite moments on their show have have come as Abigail and Barry discuss songs or records that I had no feelings about whatsoever. And the honesty of them as people, listeners, and as family is genuine and really, really lovely. And yeah... It helps a little that Abigail's favorite band is R.E.M. During our discussion, we hit upon the quest to make nerds of our kids. We talked about the power of encouragement and even discussed the generational cost of devaluing art. We talked about the power of making a commitment as it relates to your creative output. And the vulnerability that we sometimes feel sharing something that you love and the fears of how that might backfire. If somebody doesn't care. And we discussed something which is particularly appropriate for me. Where a couple of times I bring up the idea of bullshitting your way through it until you have it figured out. And how that can be a bit of an art. These are two truly wonderful people and I am so supremely lucky to call them my friends. Their podcast is fantastic. I've been a guest on their show more than once. I'm humbled to have them in my life. And I think you're going to fall in love with them too. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Abigail and Barry Hummel of Pops on Hops. Enjoy. I'll just jump right in. I don't know how to, do, I still haven't figured out how to do these damn intros. I don't know. Just, I'm just going to chop it up and go, here we are people. Um, so Abigail, I, I think yeah. the last time we talked, I think you were the one who explained to me kind of what the genesis was when I was on for the first time when we talked and you kind of told me the story. Can you tell me your version of that story again about like how this whole thing got started with you and your dad?
1: Yeah. First of all, before we dive into that, I just want to say that I'm drinking a Bell's
0: oh, in your yay. honor
1: <laughs> while we do this.
0: Thank you so much. I'm this
1: touched. is what, what I had in the fridge.
2: <laughs> I'm not drinking after my vacation, so I just went with the Harbor Coat T-shirt.
1: Oh, nice. you win!
2: <laughs>
0: nice, I love it. I'll take all of the I'll take all of the self uh, the the Michigan love and the flattery you want. I'll take it all. <laughs> All the self-esteem boosts you want to toss my way.
1: So the origin is not particularly well documented, but I had shared with my dad uh the Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott podcast, You Talkin' You Two to Me, and their follow up, Are You Talkin' R E M Re Me? Uh, both of whom are in my top two favorite bands. And at some point, uh, He said, could we not do this? Like, we we could do this, right? We could talk about music and be funny and have insightful things to say, just as these guys do. And so that got the gears turning. And the memory that sticks out for me as sort of the solidifying moment was we were driving uh, to Vero Beach to see my dad's dad, Pops Pop. And we... We're sort of playing a game, I guess. Uh, My dad had brought up uh, the Live Aid concerts in Philadelphia and London. Yeah. And he said there was one act who performed in both venues, flew across the pond during the concert and, uh, you know, performed in London and then flew and performed in Philly can you guess who that was? And that started this incredibly long, tangential, and fascinating conversation where I was essentially listing every musician I knew from that time period and slowly narrowing it down. I, you know, we, I asked the nationality of the person, the gender of the person, whether they were in a band or a solo act. And we, we it was sort of 20 questions. But for this artist and
0: so just to clarify, were you asking mm-hmm. those sorts of questions while also guessing specific names? Yes. OK, OK. So you yes. sort of you're sort of like throwing out sort of the best guesses you can think of at the moment and also kind of winnowing it down. Right. Got it. OK, continue.
1: But as we go, there are stories that come up and, you know, my dad has memories with almost every artist you can name. And so (laughs) there, you know, those were shared and I didn't end up guessing correctly. Or maybe I did at the very, very end, but it had to, it had to come down to like an insane clue that essentially gave it away. But he looked at me at the end of the conversation and said we should have been recording this
2: <laughs> that was our pilot
0: how long and... do you how long do you think that conversation went on in the car
1: oh probably an hour and a half I'd guess
2: it was between an hour and an hour and a half somewhere
1: near it's now. about a two hour drive and it was most of the drive
0: okay so you filled a, a quality episode of content <laughs> yes and uh in the in the front seat of a moving vehicle That's, that's very impressive, especially with no, no training and no gear. I mean, it does, it does lessen the stakes a little bit when you don't record it. So we can't listen to whether or not it was actually any good, but it sounds fabulous the way you described it. What is the, so Barry, what's the answer? No, actually I'm going to ask Abigail, what is the correct answer? Cause I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I have a guess, but I'm not sure that I know.
2: We can play the uh, game right now.
0: We can play the (laughs) game. All
2: right. Okay. Let's play the game right
0: now. Um, (laughs) So my my first guess was Paul McCartney.
2: And that is incorrect.
0: Okay. And I figured as soon as Abigail said and I know here's the thing Barry, I know that I've heard the answer to this. Um my second guess is Elton John.
2: Also incorrect.
0: My third guess would be uh Queen.
2: Also incorrect.
0: Wow.
2: So it is a British artist. Okay. It there, is someone British. One of the hints I gave Abigail was both in a group and a solo performer.
0: Wait, that that didn't help clear it up. That just made it more confusing for me. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> so so say it again.
2: Uh both in a in a group and a solo oh, performer.
0: It's Phil Collins. Phil Collins, yes. it is. It's Phil yeah. Collins. I did know that. It's Phil Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so so I, I want to get back to the Genesis thing, but I want to. Oh, wow. Oh, my God.
1: The Genesis and the Genesis. Yeah. Congratulations, man. <laughs> yes. Tied um, it up in a
0: bow. Wow. <laughs> That's a wrap. Holy shit! The wind and the withering that's going on in my brain right now. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Any- so we anyway, can swear on um, this podcast, um, oh. I guess. Is that right? <laughs> you right?
0: You goddamn right. You can. I didn't click that little. This has explicit content on Apple Podcasts for nothing, Abigail. <laughs> you can earn that. Um But no. So I want. I want to get back to the beginning of this and this whole this whole conversation and what happened from there. But this is fascinating to me because I have this really great relationship with my parents that was often based on these wonderful little moments that were based in trivia that were based in knowledge as a game and then learning stuff that was a part of that answer that felt like part of the game. And so you learned all this other stuff that wasn't just the answer. So Abigail, was that something that you that happened frequently as you were growing up?
1: Oh, that, yeah, that completely rings true for me. Um, I, I cannot remember a conversation with my dad that didn't involve some sort of knowledge exchange. Um, whether he was teaching me or I was teaching him or both. Um, and I loved, I love trivia. I've always loved trivia. I'm sure dad, you can remember those silly little flip card games that we used to play in the car. I was just obsessed. I was a knowledge fiend <laughs> and I take after my dad in that way.
2: Okay, I so film, I was a film geek, Matt. So as, as an example, I would buy these movies. I remember buying the Peter Jackson King Kong, and then my son came home one day from school and said, "I want to watch this." And I said, "No, we can't watch that yet. We have to get." And then I went and got <laughs> the original King Kong with Fay Ray, and I made him sit through that. Yeah. And then we watched Seventy Six with the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the one with the, um, okay, uh, Charles Grodin the... and uh, no, no, Hedges, no, you... Uh, you know,
0: you've buried the lead here, my friend. The only person that 12 year old Matt was interested in when he watched that film repeatedly on HBO was Jessica Lange. She was the only person that mattered. Look, and don't get me wrong as an adult male, I can tell you Jeff Bridges is just without question. Beautiful in that film. He really is. He's like, he's a specimen in that film. He looks great.
2: But and it was Jessica Lange's introduction, man. You forget oh. about that, and and I'm not sure how many films Jeff Bridges had under his belt. I just I thought that was a great film. But anyway, I'd show the films, Matt, and then I'd go, "I see the difference in special effects. Here's what they did here, and here's what they did there. Yeah. Now let's watch the one that's done by computer." And I I think sometimes they hated it, and sometimes they really enjoyed it. I did the same thing with Monsters versus Aliens where I made them watch all the 50s and 60s horror movies that those characters were based on. <laughs> the Incredible Shrinking Woman, which this is be like, the best okay, movie ever. All right, see, this is
0: this – is, I've done this shit to my kids. Like after we went to go see Monsters, Inc., um, my kids were young enough that, that when that came out in the theater, they were the prime age for it, and they ate it up. And so I'm just sitting there laughing at all the little jokes. Like, all the little references. And the second time we watched it, I went, do you guys know why this restaurant's called Harryhausen's? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. When this is over, we're going to look some stuff up on the internet. <laughs> and they're like, okay, neat. And I was like, you know this trashy Jason and the Argonaut shit you've seen? That's Harryhausen. But the stuff from, like, 40 years before that? That's like stop motion lost world stuff and it's silent stuff. Also Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. Like get that joke, you know, or like, uh, um, the Incredibles, the, the, the woman, is her name Edna? Yes. Yeah. And she's just Edith Head. That's all she is. She's Edith Head and it's a brilliant joke. And it doesn't matter if you know who that is, but if you can be the nerd who gets to share that with his kid and be lucky enough to have a kid who's also a nerd and and just gobbles that shit up is awesome. So after this car ride, what, what happened, Abigail? Where did it go from there?
1: Nothing happened for about a year. Um, and then Christmas of 2020 rolled around. And all of a sudden there were microphones and mic stands and gear under the Christmas tree. And I opened it and my dad looked at me and he said, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this. We have the gear. So now we're doing this. And we recorded a pilot. Actually, we kind of recorded a pilot and a half um, while I was home for Christmas that year. And uh, it, has gone from there. Um, we love doing it. We got some really good feedback early on that I think was probably crucial to us continuing. Um,
0: Can you share some of that?
1: Well, do you have an exa-
0: <laughs> but do you have like do you have course, like a specific yes. <laughs> example of like hey that was really great for us to sort of like be able to do this sustainably?
1: Dad, do you want to share? share? I'll yeah. share my
2: favorite example. So the first person I reached out to was John Carroll, um, friend of ours. And uh, I just sent him a link behind the scenes. I said, here's this thing we recorded. I've kind of cut it together. What do you think? Is it worth us pursuing this? And he sent the nicest notes back. And then when I forwarded that to Abigail and um, and then kind of explained who he was, she was delighted. So that was very inspirational. That was very helpful, I think, um, to have somebody with that much knowledge of music kind of weigh in on it i'm not even sure you know that first one we did was a big rem diatribe i mean it was a very right. long complicated episode i'm not sure he was a huge rem fan or not but i think he he liked what he heard in the i think the show's about music and it's about the beer but it's really about family kind of anecdotes and a lot of sharing of information and and trying to get do it with a sense of humor and i think those elements enough of those elements were there for him to go yes You're you're on to something. So that was probably the biggest one. I sent it to some other friends of mine who are music fans, not necessarily, you know, kind of amateur guys that I went to medical school with a a guy who plays guitar. You know, just take a listen to this. What do you think? He wrote back that uh, he thought Abigail was the next big star, but he could use a little less of me. That was his comment. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think that's fair.
1: Which (laughs) I, which I I like, that's my mantra.
0: (laughs) I don't want to project stardom upon Abigail. I think she's perfectly capable of achieving it should she choose to. However, I do think less of you might be a benefit for the show, Barry.
2: Just a, I know that she's working on replacing me. We've, we've I, already put one episode up with a guest this year where I can tell you I'm on my way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to take over uh, and they're going to vote me off the island. Uh, and That's fine. You know, I can just say you'll get
0: uh, you'll get invited on as a as a guest a couple times a year.
2: Yeah, it'll be like you
0: you know, you'll have to
1: at out. the very least be the producer because you do manage the Pops on Hops bank account.
0: Uh uh yeah. For, forgive <laughs> forgive me here. Though the money might be a sticky wicket too, I don't know. Um he's also the poor SOB who has to edit that thing down. That's
1: it's very true. It's oh, very Oh good true. lord.
0: Yeah. That is it's true. uh it's a brutal brutal task.
1: Um And he does an incredible job at it. <laughs> he
0: really he really does. He really does an incredible job. What I think is what what I think every time I talk to somebody and I say, "Hey, there's this podcast that I really like, and it's these two people that I know, and I'm lucky enough to be friends with them, but even if I wasn't just listening to this, I would feel like I was. And I said, if you like music and even if you don't like the record they're talking about, if you like music, especially if you have kids, you really need to just give it give it time. I, I told a friend I was like, pick one of these where the, where the record's going to be interesting to you." and he came back and he's like I don't know if I'm going to listen to all of these but he's like I'm so glad I listened to that episode. I was so thrilled. I think it's beautiful and I think it's lovely and it's I'm super glad that you're here so we can talk about it. Now, let's let's talk about how you managed to do this with each other without being upset with each other and that is you have to drink while you do it.
2: <laughs> it helps. Especially an episode on Zoom with Tall Boys that always gets you to go uh, oh, yeah. faster. Yeah, a
0: Sunday after afternoon time. with with Maddie C, where we talk about REM for five hours.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a core memory too. Holy
0: <laughs> shit! Yeah, that's got to be foundational for you. That's got to be hour like, interview. That's got to be like half of your Malcolm Gladwell quota right there just that interview with me and your dad.
2: Well, the <laughs> editing gives you the other half, mad on that, right. one, you know. That's right. the other 10,000 hours.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, uh, no, the editing takes way longer than recording it. Yes, way okay. longer. Um so so why was that built into the thing? I mean, it would it would be enough for a dad and his daughter to talk about movies or to talk about uh music or books or whatever, but to do this, and then also go. Oh, hey, we have this other thing that we like, and maybe we can turn this into an excuse to go to some of those places. How did that happen? And you know, how I'll has it take changed? that
2: one? I think we were debating music, or since we were both kind of into craft beer, whether we we're going to do that. We weren't really sure where we were going to land. Was it going to be music? Was it going to be beer? And at some point, the twist on the hop on pop book came out, and somebody said it first. I don't know who said pops on and hops first and that was it as soon as that came out whoever said it i that was it that was the winner and it's it established what the show would then be right yeah great title we're gonna go with that and so then that just kind of evolved into what it has become i do like the idea of going on location i think it's challenging fun interesting i think We always throw extra challenges at ourselves, whether that's having an extra person in the, you know, and as a guest, or whether that's going on location because that's always a wild card. Oh sure. Interviewing somebody at a brewery, the fun for me is they're all very different. It's formulaic in a way, but it's not, and so you get to show off. I listen. I'm not an improv king, but you get to show off adaptability in the moment. I think I'm okay at that.
0: And okay, so- I want to. I just want to clarify that I'm going to interpret Abigail's laugh there as a yes and. That was a yes <laughs> and laugh.
1: Yes and. That Absolutely. was a that
0: was a laugh of encouragement and of acknowledging your universe, Barry. Not a judgment or uh, a, no, a snicker of shame.
2: I took it as that, and,
0: uh, <laughs> and I think it's funny. I think um, none of us want it to feel formulaic when we make a thing or when we listen to a thing, but at the same time. Having those sort of like pillars in place where we understand kind of what the basic rules are, there is an expectation, right? Um, I don't know why this is the example that popped into my head. Um, if you were to say, hey, Matt, here's a list of every episode of Cheers, and I've seen them all. I could tell you that the five worst ones are going to happen not in the bar. Because the rules of that show are that world is that room or those two rooms. And so it's less, in, it's not bad, but it's less interesting outside right. of that room. It it succeeds better inside that room. That world is more real. And so you're able to define what your world is in a way by saying, Hey, this is what we do. And this is kind of the order in which we do it. But then you can kind of play with that and make fun of it a little bit. But it also like, it, it doesn't mean you sit down at every episode and you're staring at a blank page, which is terribly intimidating. And so there's a place I, to jump off.
2: I agree with you. I think the, the rules of it are we have an album. We're going to talk about every song on the album, and we're going to drink some beer, and that could be anywhere from three to five depending on the circumstances. And we go a few tracks, and we rate a beer, and that's the core of it. So we have those tent poles. And then whether we interview somebody in the bar, whether that's first or last, whether they pick out the flight or whether you know they don't whether we have a third party who's suggested the album whether we have a musician like yourself those still it still falls within those parameters right so there's a framework that is very skeletal and very easy to work with and then the rest of it I find engaging because it is slightly off slightly different we joke about you know we have no format we have a, a very defined format which is oh absolutely we, we just pretend we don't
0: well, I mean – and I'm certainly not going to try to pretend that there's a distinction or a, a, a similarity between what you do and a Catholic church service. But like the church service is going to be the same every time. That doesn't mean that they're going to have the same sermon.
2: Or the same singers or the right? same music so, or the same reading so the, the the book. idea
0: is you come in and you understand sort of what the rituals are going to be. What are the, um, the rhythms, for lack of a better word? And then within that, you can – have these conversations that sort of meander all over the place. Um, Abigail, do you feel like uh, you learn something new about your dad every time you tape one of these?
1: Every time? Maybe not, but... Okay,
0: but you feel like it's more often
2: than not that you yes. would learn something new? Okay.
1: I think every... what she
0: doesn't
2: is because i repeated something a second.
1: <laughs> well, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, the album's What I enjoy learning most, I mean, there are the family stories. Those are great. I've heard so many family stories that I i don't know if I ever would have heard, if not for the podcast, just, you know, things that wouldn't have come up. And I love hearing about that family history. But what I love even more is hearing an album that my dad picked that I didn't expect from him. And I think that's... That's kind of, it's learning about him, right? Because I I have now this extended catalog of what his musical tastes are or what he thinks I would like or what he thinks would be interesting to talk about. Right. So my favorite new knowledge is when I hear something that he has suggested that surprises me in some way.
0: Can you give me a recent example of that?
1: Oh boy! I have to look at our episode list.
2: I think uh, I'll throw a couple out. I think Uh. you're below. I think the Talking Heads album, um, Little Creatures, was one that really surprised you. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. That
0: surprised you in terms of how much you enjoyed it.
1: Well, I did enjoy that album very much. It surprised me because I. Most of, most of my dad's music, my dad's music, right? Music that my dad likes. I have some familiarity with. I grew up listening to my dad's choice of music. Well, he sure. was the, he was the big musical contributor in the household. And so coming into this, I felt like I had a pretty good idea of what artists and what albums he was going to pick. Talking Heads was on that list. Um, but, it was one that I had never given a second listen to right. despite being at a David Byrne concert in my youth with my dad. I just had never explored that. A whole universe of music.
0: Right. And your dad takes you to a show or you go with a show, your whole, you know, you go with your whole family to a gig and it's a thing and you don't know anything about it. You just know that other people are taking you there and you don't really have any autonomy and you take it in and then you leave. And there's not much context other than that was what it was. Right. Right. Um, and so in a way you have the, sort of the, the blessing and the privilege of having parents who were able and willing to do that for you. But it also is kind of interesting in the way that like, and I'm not going to like shit talk the way Barry's parenting, but it's just like, you can only give so much information to a person, especially a little person, especially a little person who doesn't want to hear the bullshit you're telling them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so even if you're doing a good job and you're going, Hey, this guy was in talking heads and remember you liked this song and all these, like just, you know, like there's a frequency that, that you at that age couldn't hear or whatever, or it didn't stick. Right. And isn't it funny how like sometimes whether it's having a podcast with your dad or hearing it in a movie or a, you know, shopping mall, and then you're like, Oh shit, I forgot all about that thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and then you realize I have this connection to this thing that maybe doesn't make sense. And you two have this lovely gift of being able to like kind of explore that together and go down that rabbit hole. And you seem pretty unafraid to do that. Not that it's like difficult, emotionally challenging territory, but like, you guys are really honest with each other. Like that Tori Amos episode is, whoo wee. That was, uh, yeah, a good one. <laughs> um, as a, as a dad, I, uh, so I, I like to, I like to listen to my pods first thing in the day. And I happened to be listening to that episode, uh, one morning. And that section of conversation happened while I was brushing my teeth. Oh. And so that day I brushed my teeth while sobbing. <laughs> and I'm not going to give away what I'm talking about because people need to go listen to your pod. Um, but it's the Tori Amos uh, episode uh, where they talk about the Little Earthquakes record. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's just as a as a fan of music and a songwriter and a dad, it was like you hit all the right beats, man. All the right base So, um, yeah, but it's I like, like
2: covering that ground, Matt. I, I, I find that really part of what I enjoy about it. I mean, part of it's anecdotal, right? But part of it's really layered back. I remember when you were on and, and we were talking about, um, uh, Travel Town, not Travel Town, um, Transit Town. Transit Town. T- transit yeah. Town. <laughs> yeah. Same, same sentiment, Barry. I get it. But Travel Town's the
0: Lego version.
2: Yeah. I, what was I thinking of? Uh but anyway, transit town and Abigail mm-hmm. had an emotional moment because she feels like she lives in a transit town. And that yeah. was a very, you know, another very raw kind of moment brought out by a song. And I think those are fun things to explore. Because isn't that how we all kind of digest music? I mean, part part of why I'm giving her albums that I'm picking is because they meant something to me at a moment. So it allows me to share some of what was going on in my life at that moment or how I came to discover the album. And it might and also be a-
0: And I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's like, it's also a moment where you're kind of using that to discover who you are. Mm
2: -hmm. In a lot of ways, yes.
0: Right. And so we do that with culture, especially when we're teenagers, we're sort of, we're shaping our own personality by the things we're developing a taste for. So I'm the kind of, you know, so like, and I'm not going to say anything that is a surprise to anyone who has ever met me for more than 10 minutes, but I was the kid who liked weird music. I was the kid who was in theater. I was the kid who liked odd movies. I was the kid who loved Monty Python. Like I did – I I could quote the first Robin Williams special in its entirety <sighs> within, a, within a month of it having been on HBO. Like I was that kid. All of that stuff helped me figure out what mattered to me. And so by diving into – and I think we all do that. I just did that more than most people do. But we all do it, and we all kind of – Develop sort of a sense of self awareness, I think, through what we consume culturally. But then we turn around and we take that and we give it away to other people. And I don't know, we always, A, it's never taken the way we mean it. And I'm not sure we really are doing it in the way that we think we are doing it, you know? Like when you make a mixtape for somebody or now a playlist, you know? Um, I just had a conversation with a friend about this. Are you trying to tell me something with words? Are you trying to tell me about something with tempo or theme or key changes or instrumentation or cover? Like, what are you trying to tell me? You know, and in essence, I think what we have to do is because, you know, as we're well established, I'm a classic overthinker. Like, maybe what we need to do is just go. That song's a jam. (laughs) You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like that oh, yeah. song is just a jam. And they're just trying to tell me that like the world's a better place because this thing exists. And I love the fact that even if that's what the two of you talk about, you're willing to get together and go, look, I- I'm a better person because this records in the world. Let's spend a half an hour talking about it and drinking beer.
2: Which goes back to the nature of your podcast, Matt, and this project you're working on, because it's such an important part of, it has always been an important part of my life film, um, and music more so than, than television, although television in recent years. And it's such, those things are so important to so many people. And your discussion about how that's become devalued is incredibly important to me because it is, it, it touches everybody in such a way. And yet it's become, you know, is it worthless to people in a, in a monetary sense? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, first
0: of all, thank you very much. I think, the the thing I'm discovering more and more is – and this is early days here, but I think the thing I'm discovering more and more as I talk to people about this and as I think about it as a consumer, I think a large number of this could be solved just with some deliberate behavior and some intentionality and some some awareness about the issue. Um, then we have to get to a point where people are going to have to make changes to their behavior that may require some form of sacrifice or that they see as a sacrifice. And then we have to have hard conversations about this is what this is really worth. And this is what you're saying it's worth. And those two things can't continue. And my thing is I don't have a solution. Um, I know that uh, I have solved nothing by sitting in my ass and complaining about it. And that if I right. s- start talking about it and having these conversations and I say things like, Hey, <laughs> I play in this band and we've been doing this for 13 years and we had a really good weekend and <laughs> you know, we, we all had basically 75 bucks to, 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 to keep after the weekend and spent twice that just to get around. So like now I, I can that's not any different. What's well, different because it's less expensive, but like that's just a different financial amount than going to Hilton Head with my friends for four a weekend. I can look at that as a hobby and I can say that's all it needs to be. I'm not doing this primarily because I think it's gonna change the way I make money. Making music. It's that I'm worried about the way music's going to exist in the future. Abigail, you're you're in your late twenties. I don't mean to out you, but is that about right?
1: That's about right.
0: Okay. So you're roughly twenty years younger than me. What I'm worried about is I'm worried about bands and music fans that are your age. Do you yeah. have do you have friends and you live in a college town? Do you do you have friends that are in bands?
1: I so I have acquaintances uh who are in bands i i know people who know people who are in bands um yes i'm familiar with people who are in bands
0: (laughs) yeah i would say based on my experience around the country everyone that i have talked to if if this were even 10 years ago you you would have been able to answer that question with five bands that you would have at least been able to think of that you've seen out and about recently, not that you've seen personally, but like you've seen them on social media or whatever or heard about them. It wouldn't be a question of, I know a couple people or like, and I'm not picking on you. It's just a change in culture. And and it isn't for me that I want to save dad rock. You know, that will be what it is. It'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll do what it does. But the idea of a group of people getting into a room and being better than the sum of their parts is a beautiful thing. And it's made the world a better place. And I really don't want to see it go away or get compromised.
2: And well, so, I agree with that, man. And
0: so to me, the way you guys are talking about music is just one more way of valuing it, you know, because nobody would nobody would go in and go, all right, I want all the beer at your establishment for ten dollars a month. And I'll just <laughs> drink until I can't drink anymore. That's not a viable business model, you know, um. So where have you gone? Talk about the what what are a couple of the favorite breweries that you've been to where you've where you've done this uh sort of a live on location thing?
2: Well, the well one before we did go ahead, Evan.
1: There's like where was the coolest place to record, and then there's where is the favorite beer? And for me, uh the favorite beer is where I can get uh delicious, delicious sours because I'm a fan of sours. So my handful of favorites in that category are Invasive Species in Fort Lauderdale and uh, Hourglass in the Orlando area. I think okay. Longwood is where their top room is. Okay. In terms of where has been the most fun to record, I would like to nominate Burial Brewing uh, in Asheville. That okay. was a really fun day. We sat outside. The beer was great. And the coolest thing was we made a couple friends who saw us recording, kind of liked what we were doing, and came over to us after we were done and introduced themselves. And uh, they ended up on the uh, album cover or the parody album <laughs> cover <laughs> for that episode. Oh, my so God. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So that overall, good. that I think was in the top uh places that we've recorded for me.
0: Okay, so this is, for me, Abigail, this is an example where, like, this is a lesson I've been learning a lot as I've been kind of going through a bunch of mental health recovery stuff, and I had this moment over Christmas where, like, I had this lovely day walking around Lansing and buying stocking stuffers for my family, and I I said to somebody when I got home, I was like, damn, sometimes good stuff just happens when you leave the house. You know, and, like, some of this is just going out into the world, right, and saying, hey... I'm not going to make a big show that we're recording a thing, but we're going to record a thing. And chances are pretty good. If you go to a place and do this enough, you're going to meet curious people like this and you're going to have these genuine little moments. And like so many of us, I think are just kind of flitting those away like pests instead of going, okay, what can I do to set myself up to have those more often and, and not feel that these things are obligations? You know, I get to do this instead of I have to do this.
1: Yeah. creating and, more things we get to do oh absolutely the, i mean yes this is um a lot of work but it is work i get to do it's work i choose to do right um all the prep work and for my dad obviously more than me on the yeah. work on the back end of editing Every episode, we're we're choosing to do it. We could stop at any time. We don't owe anything to anyone, <laughs> right? I think we'd have a handful of people who would be bummed if we stopped doing it. Sure. But yeah, the people who would be the most bummed, I think, would be ourselves, right? So and that's
0: and that's the whole reason to do it. Like, absolutely, it's, it's amazing the feedback that you get and the and the encouragement, and that does, I think, help sort of get you through those moments where you're saying, "Wow, this is a lot of work." You know, and maybe you're not saying, well, let's give up. You're going, we need to, we need to like shorten our delivery schedule and like, you know, do two a month instead of four whatever, you know, whatever you're thinking. And then somebody comes along and sends you a little note or hits you up with a Facebook message or, you know, a DM and Instagram or whatever. And they're just like, Hey, I just caught up on the pod. It's great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't think people have a genuine concept of how powerful something that simple is.
1: It's, You're absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, so for me, what tickles me always is when people in my age bracket listen and like it because our demographics are very skewed towards my dad's generation.
0: Okay, let me stop you because I want to know, um, I mean, I get that, but I want to know why. Um, why that is. Because obviously you, I mean, for folks that don't know, the way the format works is in each episode, one of you picks the record and the other one picks the beer. And generally speaking, the turns are equal. It's basically just Abigail goes and then Barry goes and so on and so on. So you're getting to pick half the records. So what do you think the reason is that you don't have many friends who listen, but your dad does?
2: I think that's changed by the way, Matt. I, I went and looked just recently, and I only get now data because they've changed the we, – we do it through Anchor, which is a Spotify subsidiary. Yeah. That's, that's how we platform the whole thing. Yep. And now they just became Spotify for podcast. They renamed it. And I only got recent data on Spotify, and it's skewed the other way. It's mostly women versus men on Spotify and in a little bit younger age bracket. And I'm wondering if our original data, which was all of it, tells me that people who listen on Apple are mostly older guys and people who listen on Spotify are mostly younger women. That may be a how do we access music question more than anything else. And um, I was very impressed.
0: I definitely can tell you that from my own personal experience, both with this project and with other pods that I've worked on, that those numbers bear out. In terms of Apple versus Spotify, in terms of I age, that. I can't speak to gender, but I can tell you over two or three different periods of time and different pro- programs that those folks are, you know, the people, the people on Spotify tend to, to skew younger as far as podcasts go because they're, they're using it as a one stop shop. The people who are on Apple podcasts are probably people like you and I, Barry, who can afford a phone like that. And who have a lot of physical media and don't have a sort of a a, a streaming preference, and so we just use the thing that's on the front page of our phones. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep, I I think you're right, Matt. Yeah. So anyway, now I don't know overall how that really plays out. I don't know that if – it. I think it's probably more balanced than we think it is. I think we got – skewed numbers or weird numbers initially the other thing that's interesting to me and i'm trying to pull it up right now is what the top five episodes are because it's kind of surprising really it's not because based on those the demographics that we thought we thought oh it's going to be all those classic albums that i picked right we got a bunch of older guys right. listening and, and they're going to go listen to the band on the run and they're going to listen to the that kind of stuff believe it or not it's not like that at all it's it's a very balanced um thing at the top and i'm vamping as i pull it up as you can tell because i gotta get to episode <laughs> rankings here on my phone but like the first the first big episode um after the pilot like the pilot's way out there but then the first one was a jukebox episode with a pink floyd album huh. the next one's a florence and the machine album the next one is a brett Denon album then it's my in Excess album from the 80s and then it's the uh band on the run with mccartney And then it's the Corey Chisel. So that's
1: that's two of yours, two of mine, and a jukebox guest episode. Jukebox, right, which
2: is an older album. And so get more balanced than that.
1: No, that's pretty amazing.
2: I agree. So I think people are. I do the same thing that you suggested when somebody comes up and goes, "Oh, you do a podcast and and uh, well, let me see." And I always say the same thing: find one where you know the album, yeah, and see if you like the experience. And if you do. Then what I hope you discover is you'll go listen to the album before you listen to the episode and find some new music. That's the goal here. So take a chance on a right. and album if you've not, or take a chance on a Corey Chisel album if you've not. But listen first, because it makes the conversation more interesting for you to have a familiarity with the songs as well. That's what I'm doing, right? Well, I'm participating in it. And I've got a really, John Carroll was on the show and he said, I'm scared of you guys. You guys listen. <laughs> uh, I go, yeah, I listen for like it is two a, weeks.
0: It is, a, it is a dying art form, Barry. And when you find it, it is – as a performer, I find it both more powerful but also more intimidating to really Glad be we, paid attention to. Um, Glad you we could help. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so thanks. Well,
1: and, and you said earlier, Matt, you said, wh- you know, why can't we just say this song is a jam and – Sometimes I do worry that we're sort of over intellectualizing the music. Sometimes, sometimes you can't put into words why you like a song. And sometimes I'm worried that because of what we do, I, I worry that sometimes we may be forcing ourselves to think of smart things to say about the music. When all we really want to say is this song is a jam and I love this song.
0: And I see, I think it's okay to say that. And I think invariably, as you talk about why that record is meaningful to you, why? So, I mean, all you got to start with something as simple as why this record, why are we drinking with this record? And you can say it's cause it's a jam. And then your dad can sit there or I could sit there or who anybody could sit there and go, so why is it a jam? What makes it a jam? And then you're going to start to think about it and it's not going to feel like you're trying to make, I mean, it's going to feel like you're trying to make smart stuff up, but if you're honest, it's going to come through, even if it feels like you're trying to bullshit your way there. That's how, <laughs> I, that's how I see it. But then again, I'm a guy who bullshits his way there frequently. Uh, um, there's,
1: there's been a fair amount of bullshitting, I would, I, I would say dad, right? But
0: I also, what? but I also, <laughs> but I also think what's beautiful about it is like you can sit there and you can go, Jesus, this record wrecks me. And I don't know if I really understand why. Can we can we go someplace and get semi-drunk and talk about it? That seems pretty liberating, right? Like in a right. way, you're I don't want to say you're sort of forcing this like, you know, parental version of therapy, but in a way, you're saying we have this obligation because of this system to have semi meaningful conversations with each other fairly regularly. And so that it's not scary. Let's drink while we do it. And let's talk about a record we love. And, and I think that at the end of the day, if you don't love beer and you don't love music, there are still things in this podcast that that are wonderful lessons about life and the way that we listen to stuff and the way that we absorb things and how those affect us growing up. You know, one of the things that blows my mind, Abigail, and it's literally the first note I wrote down because you mentioned it in like the first two minutes of the show, that your two favorite bands are R.E.M. and U2
1: yep okay, that's, first, that's all my dad that's all I my under,
0: dad i understand that <laughs> tell me if it's not those two things what is the rest of that and you don't have to flesh it out as a full top 10 or whatever but like what would a handful of other contenders for that top tier look like that are not those two bands
1: brett Denon is definitely up there okay um and, and that's a, that's
0: that's your discovery
1: that's my discovery. Right. Well, it's SiriusXM's discovery. I think, well, but, I mean, it was. But, but it's not <laughs> yeah. something, it's not can, something
0: you got from your father is my point.
1: No, no, we discovered Brett Denon at the same time and I right. ran with it more than he did. Got um, it. so yes, I claim Brett Denon, um, Fair. as, as truly my musical taste, but he's definitely up there. And a lot of the bands that I would say are in my top five, 10 or whatever. Are there because I was listening to them at crucial moments in my life, right? Right. Um, childhood, moving to Florida, middle and high school, that period. And my dad has this theory that you sort of latch onto what you heard when you were a preteen or a teen and you stick with that throughout your life and you seek out new music that's there's actually, like that I stuff. wish I
0: could remember the name of it, but there's actually like, there's a, there's a, like a published theory about this idea that between the ages of, I think it's 12 and 20 in men and it's a little bit earlier for girls. It's like 10 or 11 to 18 or 19. But someone will hopefully one of our very smart listeners will let me know. But regardless you develop an attachment with that stuff, not just because of having more time to focus on it at that point in your life, But it's also, as we talked about earlier, when you're sort of developing your sense of self, how those things are reinforcing that. And they're sort of a conduit into the way that you understand the world. Like think about how many things we just learn culturally from movies and TV. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I met a guy on my trip to Morocco who spoke seven languages. He never went to school for a full day.
2: Oh, wow.
0: He's a tour guide. He learned that he learned to speak English by watching movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And being with tourists. And so like, I just, sometimes I think, uh, what, what are we all waiting for? Like, we don't, we don't need an excuse. Just do it. Just, just, just put the shit underneath the Christmas tree and go, you know, we're going to, we're going to do this. And here's the thing. You could do this every Sunday and never publish it. And it would be just as important to the two of you.
2: You're probably right. Okay, I think you're now, probably right. It it's wouldn't have time. It, it wouldn't have the same
0: influence, and it, and you wouldn't get enough out of it to keep doing it. And that's, I think, what the difference is. At least from my perspective, that's how I would view it. But I look at the two of you, and I see the way you're doing this, and you've continually done it, and you just started season three, and it seems like you're not only doing it better, but you're having more fun than ever. Is that true?
1: I think I would say so.
2: I do. too. I think, I think we've gotten um, more comfortable with it. Again, I I talked about that adaptability thing. I I don't think we're afraid to show up in an environment and see what happens. I think there was some, I think we were a little nervous about that at the beginning because sometimes you just kind of show up because people don't answer their email or like, well, we are in Asheville and I got this bar on my list. Let's just show up. And the bartender's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Go plug in. And because we're pretty, you know, we're pretty small and self-contained. We're at a picnic table in the back. Nobody even cares. Um, so I think that now we just swagger in like we own the joint. And <laughs> if, you know, if somebody like we got we went somewhere, this one hasn't uh, aired yet. We went somewhere and uh, they were freaked out that we were there. They wanted to clear it with the owner who wouldn't return the call. So we just bought some cans and left, went back to Abigail's and recorded at her apartment. Same beer, same brewery, just yeah. didn't push our push their buttons like I don't need to be an aggravation to anybody. Right. But but uh, I agree with you. I think we've gotten better at um, um, more in our skin with it. I, uh, I think we listen. So, to early yeah, episodes. So much
0: of it is just being comfortable and confident, just feeling like. Just yeah yeah. If you think this is worth continuing to talk about, you get to a point where you sort of have this muscle memory where you're like, yeah, this is probably worth following.
2: Yeah, you can hear the wheels turn in the early episodes. Sure. Where we weren't we weren't quite you know there's a little bit of a bob and weave you're doing with two people doing it. Try to find your footing and but try again to, you guys have funny.
0: you guys have gotten good at that and you've also established some some kind of roles of how that works and there's a again there's sort of a ritual to that and an outline and i think that helps um tell me about how each of you approach the process of choosing an album abigail will you go first tell me what Ooh. are what are some of the criteria that you use in wanting to like share a record with your dad and have an in-depth conversation
1: yes so I'm going to have to start rethinking this process pretty soon because coming from the generation that doesn't listen to albums, um, I'm running out of albums that I have listened to. <laughs> uh-huh. So it, I, you wouldn't, or maybe you would know it from listening to the podcast, but I've always had sort of a weird unexplainable anxiety about trying new music because I have my like comfort songs and my comfort albums. And when I listen to music, it's usually to either put me in a particular mood or prolong a mood I'm, you know, trying to keep and I have particular songs and artists and albums that fulfill those needs you know and starting this starting this project um i did i i got a little like procrastinating about listening to an album that my dad had assigned me it was and i i still can't really explain it i've gotten better over time
0: (laughs) in in essence you had like a little part of your lizard brain that was like no we're not going to do this
1: right it's like listen to what you already love like stay stick with what you know and do you, think that was,
0: do you think there was a part of you that felt like it was homework
1: i mean it's it's still a little bit feels like homework it's okay. very it's very time and energy intensive um and i still haven't really uh nailed down a good process for the first time i listened to an album
0: Mm, okay. I don't
1: have a formula for that. Sometimes it's in the car. Sometimes it's in the shower. Sometimes. Let's, I... back,
0: let's back up a second. When you say the first time you listen to an album, you mean when somebody introduces you to a record that's brand new to you?
1: Yeah. Yes, but in the context of the podcast. So when okay, my dad so the, when says, you, okay, the next episode is...
0: So, so your dad says it's Band on the Run. You don't have like a here are the conditions in which I listened to that the first time. Right. And you feel like you should. Probably. Okay, so what do you think? I feel like I ought to
1: standardize that process a little bit. (laughs)
0: All right. So what does that look
2: like?
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, Dad, how do you do it for the first time?
2: I usually make sure that I have an uninterrupted period of time to listen to it with a track list. I'm not listening for anything more than, did I like the song? Did I love the song? Did it not move me? And I use, I put a one star, two stars, no stars, gut instinct reaction to it. And then I like to go back and compare after I listen to it a bunch of times, did those places still land, you know, those songs still land in the same place, did they move up or down based on more refined listening or something about the song that took me a while to get there. Um, so I listened to it for sure. Pretty much in a in a space where I could do nothing but listen to the song. I so you're well, not
0: you're not putting the record on and then folding laundry or doing the dishes or making no, a no. I,
2: no, I want my I want that sheet, the track list nearby, so I can make a note. I won't do anything that's distracting me. I might be able to fold some laundry or put it away um, and go back and put a note on the thing. But even that, will I'll go. Oh, am I on track two or three? What was so? I really do try to dedicate my first listen in a in a quiet space with that piece of paper in front of me for, for an album that I'm gonna that, like break down for the podcast. Now, if I bought a new album just for the the heck of it and and was play, I'd probably play it in a car. If I didn't have to write notes or whatever, I'd probably sure. I'd, prob- I'd put it on in a car would be my first.
0: I think first, I would. I think I think if I if I was getting something for homework like this where somebody was well like Abigail was like Matt, listen to this record and we're gonna talk about it. I think my first reaction would be. How would I listen to that if somebody hadn't given it to me as homework? It would be put it on and do whatever you're going to do. And, you know, I'm probably either going to be out here doing stuff. Or I'm going to be out for a walk or in my car, right? So if I'm out for a walk, I can just look at my phone. If I'm in my car, I can just look at my thing. And if I'm in here, I can look at this. So if I get really psyched, I can do that. But at the same time, it's like I'm also just doing stuff. And after a while, I'm not. I'm not thinking about it right and when something pops out it's going to hit me mm-hmm. and like i think that's kind of how i would approach it but i'm also interested to know like if i had to do this like you or i had to do this a bunch of times in a row how would that evolve you know do, so do you feel like you want to do that because you think it would improve your enjoyment and maybe create like sort of a a standard kind of like a um dr hummel help me out here what's the word i'm looking for like for a a, ba- a baseline i guess just baseline
1: yeah, right? no, I I, I perceive a control, it as... a control. Yeah, that's a the control. word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the word
0: I was looking for. You're looking for a controlled environment where you can say, okay, yeah, I know I'm not going to get distracted. I know that this is going to be a pleasant place to be, and I can kind of focus on whatever the record is.
1: I think it's ju- I think it's just to minimize those feelings of oh my god, it's a new album. What if I hate it? A, what if I spend you know 45 to 50 minutes listening to this and it was a complete waste of time i have nothing smart to say about it it always evolves from there but i have this i i can't explain it i have this weird anxiety about listening to a, a new album for the first time and so i think just minimizing that so that i can jump in and and just start doing it because it It always works out. I always have smart things to say. I always have opinions and nine times out of 10, I'm going to like the album. And if you don't like (laughs) it, you're still going to have
0: smart reasons why you don't like it.
1: Right. Right. And that's
0: still going to be an interesting conversation. It's not about, it's not, I mean, the purpose of what you're doing is not an endorsement of the record. You know?
1: Right. Absolutely. It's a
0: conversation between the two of you. And it's one of you saying, this is really important to me. And here's a, basic understanding that I have of why, what do you think of this thing? Mm -hmm. My nuts, you know, I, I think at, (laughs) I think at its core, I think that's a really great way to sort of simplify how we understand each other. You know to go. I love this thing. I mean, how many times have you met somebody and you have so much in common and then you find out they like something and you're like, are you shitting me? (laughs) You like that piece of trash you enjoyed that brought you happiness That flaming pile of garbage was a gem to you. And then everything gets thrown into question. Like the entire existence of this person is then thrown into doubt. You know, we have those
2: conversations sometimes, Matt, because it's over a single song. Like we've had multiple times where my favorites, her least favorite, this has been a recent phenomenon. This didn't happen a lot at the beginning, And those are really striking conversations because I'm like, yeah, this is my favorite song. She goes, oh, I hate this one, or whatever. I I think the disagreements usually
1: it's vice versa.
0: I think the disagreements lead to the best stuff. I do, it do. Wow, because I think it's a better teach me more. I think it's a better understanding, even if they're not like, I hate this and you love this. Even if it's, you know, this does nothing for me, or like, wow, I actually think that's that's a standout track, or whatever. It is fascinating to me how. Two people who have so much in common can still have that reaction within a thing they both like and go, I don't understand. The delivery of this doesn't hit me. And it's just these weird emotional synapses we have. And I'm fascinated by them. You know, I had a, um, I had a film prof at community college, like my first semester out of high school and I, and I took a class called film is art. And his mantra on the first day was, if I do my job, you'll never watch movies the same way again. Hmm, Yeah. And he was right. I didn't. And at times it's made me an asshole to watch movies with. (laughs) (laughs) However, however, it's also made me understand why I love what I love. And it's made me really curious about understanding it more. And, uh, why we don't love what other people love or why we don't love what sometimes people think we should love, you know? And that's, that's an interesting thing. And I think that's to me what's fascinating about what you're talking about, Abigail, about that that pressure because of who it's coming from. Because yeah. you don't want to disappoint him.
1: It, that's a hundred percent part of it. I mean, and not just because he's my dad, but it it takes a certain level of vulnerability to share with someone something that you really deeply love, you know? Yes. And there's all these memes out there about oh you know you're you're showing your favorite movie to someone and they're on their phone the whole time like there's there's nothing more crushing than that, but it's true. I mean our our music tastes, all of our tastes in art, but it's in our podcast specifically, music tastes are very very personal and um, sometimes not explainable. Sometimes there's yes. no rational reason why you love a particular song or album or artist. And it definitely is sort of bearing your soul a little bit to share with anyone else. Well, I would think, love.
0: I don't want to. I don't want to jump in, but like, does that sensation get exacerbated when you do this regularly? So it's one thing to say I have that feeling because I'm doing it, but like, you're also kind of working on that skill, right? Like hundred, you're kind of yes. doing that all the time, and so in a yeah. way. Is I guess what I'm saying is, are you just getting better at using it, or is it also more impactful as it, as you get better at it? How what is the dynamic of that?
1: It's funny. I I I don't get nervous anymore about oh I you know I hope my dad likes this album. What if he doesn't like it? I get more nervous about hurting his feelings if I don't like something for any particular reason. So my my sharing. Nerves have been dulled a bit, Um, but I still have that sort of empathic response of, oh, my gosh, like he loves this thing. If I say anything negative about it, not that I'll hurt his feelings, but, you know, there's yeah. there's something there.
0: There's, like you said, there's definitely a vulnerability to it. Uh, at the same time, do you think you're getting better at being honest about that, about saying I don't get it, I don't understand it? Explain yes. it to me like I'm four.
1: Yes, I am. I think the first album where I had, I had a really challenging experience and had to find a way to voice that on the podcast was the Midnight Oil album, Diesel and Dust. I was very challenged, uh, by that album and there, there was only really one song that I can confidently say I love this song and I will listen to it again by choice and still finding worthwhile things to talk about in that album was not difficult. It's a very complex album, but it was the first time that I couldn't wholeheartedly endorse the music itself. And that was an interesting challenge. And, Dad, if you have a different take on that, I, I would no, be interested to, to hear I it. No, was,
2: I and was, I was surprised you didn't like it, but I wasn't offended you didn't like it. I, I don't yeah. think um, – I was like, oh, my God, how could you not like this? The, the weird one for <laughs> me was we did the David Bowie album, Let's Dance, which I, was my album, Matt. And I got done listening to it, and I wasn't sure I liked it anymore after breaking it down for <laughs> the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> I listened to that episode. I don't remember getting that vibe. I was just like, the back half of this is just like, it's not working for me. And then Abigail, you know, she was all over all the the issues with China girl. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't like that song as much as I like it, but I, it's a jam, but it's interesting. It took us having a really deep conversation about it, Matt, for me to recognize that about something. I I don't play, you know, I play that album off and on over the years. It's not something I, it's in my top 10 things to spin, but, You know, it was something that had a lot of meaning for me at the time, and so it was one of the ones that I picked because that's what I I've been doing, kind of what Abigail's doing, which is I've been going through chronologically since I was say ten years old up to okay, I'm I'm up to the '90s now, and I'm going through albums that surprised me over the years or had some impact on me for whatever reason, right? And so that's how I've been picking my albums, and so that let's dance thing was my, that was my entry point for David Bowie. Listen, I grew up, I was a hick in a small town in South Jersey. So that was, that was enlightening for me. And it made me go back and listen to other stuff by David Bowie and and all those kinds of things. But that's the album I shared because that was my entry point. That's how I discovered David Bowie. And then you listen to it and you have some of these reactions. You're like, Oh, maybe I should have given us a little more thought. Not that I would have shared you know something from earlier in his career cuz it didn't have the impact on me if you follow what i'm saying so that was the album that i picked that i got done i convinced myself at the end of it i wasn't so sure i liked it as much anymore the backside i was never a huge fan of anyway and then i i think toward the end of it i just sort of said you know maybe i don't like this album i just said it like
1: a long
0: time <laughs> yeah it was a one liner oh that's wild
2: it was it was a throwaway line but i i still remember that cuz it's like yeah have some problems with this album now so that was fun for me i i, I want to be clear that i enjoyed that experience and that was fun for me to look at it through a different lens now all these years
1: later
0: who the hell is responsible for the sanity thing i haven't even had the courage to listen yet because here's the problem oh my
2: god it's the funniest episode it's
0: barry, the barry, best story barry literally the day that you put the episode out and you tweeted it and I don't even remember what line it was. and It was like five words. And it, I read it, and as I read it, it got stuck in my head. And it has been there. That goddamn hook from that song has been there ever since. Like a week it's been stuck in my head, man.
2: I am so happy to be breaking down new albums now because I that was such an earworm for me. I could not get those songs out of my head. So the story on that was we do a thing called the Virtual Jukebox because we had a lot of people who would, who would say to us, you know what album you should do? And we didn't have a system for that, so we developed a system. When we got enough of them, we made a what literally looks like a jukebox grid. Uh, it's got like 36 albums in it now. You have a, There's a Billy Bragg album in there that you suggested during your episode. We just stuck it in the jukebox. And about every fifth episode, we pull one out randomly, and then we invite that person on if they want to be a guest. So we interviewed this band, uh, members of a band called The Procession, who... Uh, I haven't played together probably in 15 years and it was a very bizarre situation. We did the album that it was an Abigail suggestion. It was a fabulous album and we just couldn't find any information about the band. So I discovered that one of the guys was a social worker at USC medical school. And it was a long way to get there to figure that out. And I reached out to him. I said, here, I, it was before it even aired. I sent him a backdoor link. I said, listen, we did this with your album and Uh, thought you might like to listen to it, see what your thoughts are. Well, we had speculated to death. We'd had the band break it up over money. We had all this stuff. We were just (laughs) making stuff up because we had time to fill. So he, like I said, fair
1: amount of bullshitting, right? Yes, exactly. There you go.
2: He sent back a two page email, Matt, and he said he explained all this stuff. So I I reached back out and I said, listen, I could read this, you know, in a subsequent episode or whatever, but would you want to come on and talk about it? And he not only did he do that, he got the other two guys. Two of them had seen each other in ten years. Oh my god. And they did this kind of reunion interview with us, which was just a blast.
1: It and was the that, coolest thing.
2: The 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 guy who I reached out to, who was sort of the songwriter lead singer, he um he said to the other guys, if you were gonna give these guys an album, what would you give them? And they just started peppering us with they must have given us ten albums that day. And one of them was greg Jong, who's one of the members of the band started talking about elo and then out of the blue he said well if you want a really weird experience the xanadu soundtrack and <laughs> i said what and so i put it in the jukebox well it got pulled so we reached out to greg who uh, lives in portland he's a musician out there he does a lot of commercial work and he's in a band called pure reason revolution which is like a prog rock band in europe that is like he does in his spare time
0: holy shit that's wild
2: it's crazy story. Anyway, he he said, Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun. So he picked out some British beers because he's from London, or he's from England. I should say he's from London. I don't know that for sure. And um he got the he totally got the vibe of the show. So he is just so much fun on the episode. And it was such a weird experience. But that's how Xanadu came to be. It just landed as our season three premiere just in a rotation. It wasn't intentional that it was That mad. is
0: amazing.
2: And it's a fun episode. And that's wow. the guy who's going to replace me eventually. I know this already. I see, <laughs> I see. <laughs> Because he totally got the vibe of the show and they were ganging up on me, Matt. Like they would both love a song that I hated and I could just see that I was, you know, I was just slowly getting pushed. Your
0: days back. are numbered, Barry.
2: I know. I know. I that. think it's fine. Um, I, th- I think looking. it's
0: fine. I mean, if nothing else, you've taught her well. You've done your job. Yeah. You know? I know. You've imparted the wisdom. The REM but knowledge I- is there. Oh, for sure. oh, is
1: it? Oh that's, my gosh. Especially after that pilot episode. The pilot I know episode. every album back and forth.
2: That's a tough one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a uh,
1: dissertation. <laughs> uh,
0: I've been working on that dissertation for three full decades.
1: Where's, yeah. Where's our PhD in RE? Yeah, where's some, oh
0: my God. I tell you what, I've certainly put my 10,000 hours in. I don't know where I get my Malcolm Gladwell level certificate, but I want it. <laughs> I want that shit.
1: <laughs> got it.
0: I got it. Um. So, so how do you guys figure out the season? So season three starts, which I think, by the way, just as somebody who's doing this and kind of sort of reinvigorating a podcast again, I think you kind of have to set that up for your own sanity, right? Like as a creator, so you kind yeah. of have to go, all right, we're going to do this many and then we need a break.
2: We, um, th- we started the first year in March. Just because we recorded some, we banked them, we said, okay, let's do it. Abigail set up the release thing through uh, the, the podcast uh, anchor system, and we had them banked. And so we were always running about eight weeks ahead, which was very nice, because if you had a little delay, it wasn't you didn't feel any pressure. And what happened was we rolled right through that Christmas season, and we just kept going. We never stopped. Well, during the between Thanksgiving and Christmas that year, we lost all our lead time because with the holidays and everything, it was just oh, was just sure, together. yeah. So, all of a sudden, by the middle of the second season, we were literally always on the I was editing the one that was due next just constantly. It was, oh, just God. felt like it was a bit of a grind, as you can imagine. Yes. And so, we had some conversations about well, how can we decompress this? We thought every three weeks was a weird pattern. So we we just decided, well, let's just take the break and go with the March start like we did the first year and just always do that. Take a couple of months off between the holidays and March, bank a few episodes, and and then just – it'll feel like a defined season. So our plan is to go every other week up through the holidays like we've done, then take the break and restart in March and call that the new season. So
0: That's awesome. And is there any kind of uh... – do you guys ever work on like a theme or an idea or a concept or is it all just kind of a catch as catch can in terms of picking records?
1: I, th- I think the concepts are centered around holidays. So we, our first season, we did a Halloween album. Our second season, we did an Oktoberfest album in that slot instead. Um, we will always do a Christmas album around Christmas. Um, and then the beer. Theme. We we try our very best to match uh, a beer or a brewery t- to the album thematically in some way, but then we always have our episode after Thanksgiving is our leftovers episode, so we do. Holiday flavors of beer from breweries we've already reviewed and sort of bring them back for their, for their leftovers appearance. And so we do have a couple of themes and then not to spoil anything, but hopefully we'll be able to keep doing dorks on corks, which is our April fools alternative podcast. Um, I hope we're going to be able to keep doing that forever because it's so much fun. And in that one, we review an album that would be Ineligible from the normal choices for some reason, whether it's a compilation or a best of or uh, a parody album. And then we review wine instead of beer. So those are always a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> it's so fun. I love, and I love that uh, the whole thing is really playful. It's really, um, you said you worried sometimes you took yourself too seriously. I don't mm-hmm. think if you go back and listen to that with objective ears, you can possibly think the two of you are taking anything too seriously.
2: No, it's, I think it's very lighthearted. I think it's, um, it has a lightness to it. Some of the musical conversations can be dense, but I think the default setting is to go back to that kind of lighthearted. But again,
0: you're not, you're not sitting there and, and it's not dry and academic. It's, it's about your experience. It's about life. It's about love of the thing. So before we wrap up, let me ask you a question. So, uh, the, the joke that I had was, was I, when I started doing this thing, was I going to be like the half-assed James Lipton and, and always start with, all right, Barry Hummel, what are you making? Like I'm some sort of like low-rent Tom <laughs> Snyder bullshit or something, you know? So, but I am trying to, I am trying to end all these interviews by asking what's making you right now. So that could be movies, food, drinks, uh, travel, uh, TV, books. What, 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 Abigail, you go first. What, What's a thing or two that are really kind of exciting you and giving you life right now?
1: I did two 5Ks recently, and I haven't... I'm
0: sorry. Running is not eligible. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I
1: didn't well, run, Matt. I didn't thunder. run. Jeez. I walked.
0: That's awesome, Matt. I'm just messing. I'm just I walked
1: it. the 5Ks um, and listened to an upcoming album that we will be reviewing very soon, uh, during both of those, but I haven't done any kind of organized race since probably 2018, maybe 2019. Um, and I had a great time. I think the last time I was running, I felt a lot of pressure to keep getting better. And, uh, I haven't, Made the jump to running yet this time around, but, uh, if think... I do, if and when I do, oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, you, you mentioned the, the pressure to get better, which I think most of us feel. And I think is a combination of external pressure culturally and internal pressure specifically. I know I do it. My question for you is, do you think that that's an example of how we as human beings in this day and age are struggling to just find something we enjoy and just enjoy the act of doing it for no other reason—not to get better at it, not to make money, not to prove something, but just to do it.
1: Absolutely, yes, yes. That I mean, that is my goal. Um, for whatever this next phase of my walking slash running <laughs> career turns out to be, is just to do it for the love of it. And and yeah, I have to track, you know. So I have all the maps and the distances and everything, but who cares about my pace? Who cares about my time? Just to find joy in it, Um, because you're right, that is rare. We do so much. I mean, it takes a lot of work just to survive, you know? It takes a lot of work just to live, Um and wherever we can find that joy, whether it's from Talking to your dad about music, or going on a run or a walk, um, you got to seize that where you can.
0: Uh, amen. A freaking men, Barry. So you just you just went on that trip out west, and 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 you run all the time. I do. I'm and assuming she said this running, is a... so
2: I I can't say that. So <laughs> no, sometimes...
0: okay. But we've established that 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 that's your thing. That she didn't. That's just, old
1: hat just, for you. That,
0: that she didn't just steal that. So if we have to take that off the table, um, what else you got for us?
2: I think the thing that brings me the most joy now when I have the time to do it is to take my camera and walk through some nature park or some wetlands or some, you know, you mentioned the trip out west to be in Death Valley and just be able to get my camera out and actually explore that skill that I, I do have some skill with a camera, but I don't, I don't do it often enough. And I do love the times that I get to do that. I've always been a, so I like breaking down albums and I love music, but I'm not a musician. I have no sense of talent with with respect to that. My talent's always been in visual arts, like photography and videography and that sort of thing. And so when I have a free moment to do that, I feel completely blessed and I love doing it. And it's rare. It's, you know, I dumped my camera from this trip and the last time I'd been to a wetlands was like, you know, Eight weeks before we left town, and the time before that was two months before that. So I don't get out and do it often, uh, but I do love it.
0: It's amazing too how just saying, oh, I do love it, and I should do that thing more, and then you start to go, well, I could just put two hours on the calendar and just decide that I'm going to do that. And so it's learning I... to do that, and then – and here's the trick. Respecting the fact that you put your own name on the calendar.
1: Yeah.
2: I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, I am consumed by my running. I shouldn't say consumed. That makes it sound bad. You know, we, we coach, we run with a lot of friends in town. We have, you know, regularly scheduled events. And so there's a lot of time that we dedicate to that. And so having a free Sunday afternoon to go to, you know, the local wetlands and take some pictures, that's kind of a rare thing. I do it every chance I get. Um, But I think, Part of it is because the running has become such a big part of what we do. My wife and I together, yeah, that um, that that ends up being the thing that we we derive a lot of joy from. That I don't want to discount that. Um, but like everything but
0: else, it's it's balance, you know, and it's right, just being right. and, and so much of it is just being aware of what you might want as opposed to going. What am I supposed to have? You know, I think that's, I I, think that's another thing that I'm learning too, as I'm having conversations like this with you guys and with this, this family movie club. Like I think there's a lot of people who feel like when they engage with art, they're supposed to have an answer. Like there's supposed to be some kind of a riddle they're supposed to solve as opposed to looking at it kind of as like, okay, how does this experience make me feel or think about things or reflect on a thing? Or, you know, does it just get me excited? Is it just explosions and that's what I need right now? Like Abigail, you said something earlier where you said, um, you were talking about how you don't listen to records. You sort of choose music to kind of prop up a mood or maybe prolong a moment. Um, I think it's, I think it's great. Do you think you, you realized that about yourself before you did this, before the Pops on the Hops thing? Do you think you knew? Oh, uh,
1: yes, a hundred percent. I've always had this sort of weirdness around new, new content.
0: I didn't even um, necessarily mean new content I mean I just mean that you were you were aware that like you didn't consume records. Was that something you learned by doing the show
1: i well, now, to say i I didn't consume records i I have records that I have consumed it's just, of course
0: it isn't necessary it wasn't. You realized that it wasn't necessary your primary engagement with music yes. wasn't at yes. the album level. Okay.
1: Yes. So like do I you feel hear, like
0: – Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Like I would hear a song on a car commercial, you know, and I would go buy it for 99 cents on iTunes. That was my default setting. Got it. And I realized that very early on.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that's – see, that's really interesting. That, like, I think that's rare that you're someone who's thinking about it that way, you're someone who's thinking about it at all, and I think that's I think that's unique in and of itself. Hmm. But what I'm but what I'm saying is like Barry talking about like the David Bowie record, or the idea of putting yourself out there, and these two people wind up being on the cover of your thing, or you have this amazing conversation with this band that hasn't talked to each other in a decade, whatever it is. Like the the thing is like the. The the joy that you're getting out of this, the connection that you're getting from each other, the experiences that you're creating that could not be created another way just simply by doing this thing is really remarkable. And I hope that the two of you are aware of that and get a chance once in a while to just stop and go, God damn, this is really cool we get to do this together.
2: I feel very fortunate to, to have the amount of time that I've had in the last three years doing this. Uh, to plan, you know, we're constantly got to make a plan, got to get two of them recorded, got to go to a venue, got to do this, got to do that. It's a, a lot of logistics and a, it's a lot of phone calls. I'm a phone caller. She's a texter. She's she's like, could we have solved that with a text? And I'm like, nope, that's not how I roll. I pick up the phone and call. Uh, I got big thumbs. I'm not good on texting. This is how we're doing it. I can hit the redial button. It's easier. But the, but, but I but the fact that I have that much contact. I'm sorry. The fact that I have that much contact with my adult daughter on a project, um, I feel very fortunate uh, to have that connection. So I I hope we're doing it for a very 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 long time, Greg Jong notwithstanding. Uh, Trying.
1: <laughs> and I think I think everyone has a project that they want to do. I mean, I, I deep down I think that everyone has a creative drive. Um, And it's about finding the right form of creativity for oneself. But it's also about having the reason to do it and the reason to keep going. And like you said, Matt, if we put this on the calendar every Sunday and we said we're going to talk about an album and drink a beer, like, yeah, that's fine. But how many times would that be postponed if we didn't have an episode deadline? Putting it out into the world as – Scary As it is sometimes is holding us accountable to doing this thing that we love. And I, I think if everyone found that perfect combo of this is the right type of creativity for me, and this is how I'm going to hold myself accountable to do it. I mean, the world would just be overflowing with these kinds of projects. And I think the world would be a much better place, frankly.
0: Oh, agreed. A hundred percent. The other thing that's kind of amazing to me is the level of quality that so many people are capable of in an area where they have a great deal of passion and have done work. And the truth of the matter is, you're going to start out doing a thing and you're not going to be as good at it as you want to be. You are not going to be and you're going to get better and you're just going to have to believe that people are going to find you at some point and that you're going to get better and that you're doing the thing. Look, you said something earlier about, you know, there wouldn't be very many people who really noticed if we just stopped doing this. And that that certainly rings true for me in my experience in playing in bands for 25 years. But the reason the the reason that we don't stop is because we can't. We would notice and life would be so much less enjoyable without it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's fair to sit there and go, I would change this or I would do this differently. Or in your case, I can sit there and go, we're going to break this down into a season. And these are the expectations. But there's a hell of a power to finishing something and then giving it away, just putting it out into the world. And when you do that and you say, I'm going to do that twice a month, now you've made this promise, not just to each other, but to other people. Who are going to hold you accountable yep. and i think i think that is like that what you're saying abigail at the, at the end of the day is that this is this is a commitment you've made to each other and the way to solidify that commitment is to tell other
2: people about it
1: definitely and it
2: doesn't hurt that you get some feedback from people from time to time Matt, or that right. you have a handful of people who are so dedicated that they quote you you know um or the they'll, they'll, they'll bring up something from an episode and laugh about it. Or like you said, I got a sticky note one time with the word Anosmia Jingle on it who, <laughs> who, uh, who could not get that out of her head. And so she wrote it down and sent it to the run club with her husband, who's an avid listener. so that I, And I have the sticky notes still here in my binder from each episode. I keep some of the notes and some of the things we collect. And I have that little sticky note in there. And that was the, uh, that was the episode that we uh, did with the uh, Talking Heads album. Is when oh, debuted. that was that album. That's that was, right. That was yeah. when we debuted that the origin.
1: Like, yeah.
2: You know, yeah. The um, note,
1: so, Matt, this you was, said you. Oh, sorry.
0: No, go ahead, Abigail.
1: You said you were a theater kid.
0: I was. Are you, yeah. Are you
1: familiar with the show tune? I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing.
0: I'm not familiar with that. I was not it's a music. For- I was not a musical theater kid.
1: Ah, but I
0: shun I shunned musical time theater. Of- I shun- of theater. I shun, <laughs> I shun, I shunned musical theater like a snob.
1: Well, there's a show called Title of Show. It was very trendy when I was in high school, which is how I know it. Um, I think the song is called Nine People's Favorite Thing. But the line is, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. And that's, that, that's a
0: wonderful line. Yeah,
1: that is my mantra. And I, I'm sure my dad would never get a tattoo. But if if he would be willing, I would have that tattooed on my body in a matching place with my dad. Like that is just exactly what I want our podcast and our little project and our little form of art to represent.
2: And I like about the time we got the tattoo, we'd become a major hit and then that would just be superfluous. (laughs) I'll wait that one out. I'm going to wait that one out to at least the end of season five.
0: All right. uh, Yeah. We need a timeline Barry so you can't keep kicking that can down the road. (laughs) That's not going to work out for me. It's not going (laughs) to, it's not going to fly. Um, Guys, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I really you're appreciate very it. You're
2: welcome. Love thank talking you, to you. Thank Matt. you, Matt.
1: Yes. Anytime. And, and thank you for doing what you're doing too. It, it really is important. And, and you are putting out so much content. I am so impressed.
0: Thank you. It's, I talked to Jared Yates Sexton about this. Um, it's largely imposter syndrome. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm going to ask people for money. Let's, let's over deliver and under promise. And let's just keep, the you know, like, I'll figure out the problem that I don't have stuff to talk about in a month when a month is here, you know? And so it's like, I'm trying to get the reins in it a little bit and figure out how to do it, figuring out what's manageable, um, you know, and what people only, want, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Only qualified people get imposter syndrome. So just remember that.
0: What did I tell you, huh? Just incredible people. I'd completely forgotten that Abigail dropped that wisdom on me at the end of the Only Qualified People Get Imposter Syndrome. So I made sure to leave it in there. In fact, I think that's the perfect place to end today's episode. Uh, take that to heart, people. Uh, we got sage wisdom from a woman in her 20s who is wiser than I will ever be. Thank you so much to Barry and Abigail for being here. Thank you for your show and for being amazing people. And thanks for being my friend. Thank you for being here. You make my life better by being a part of this pod and paying attention to what I'm doing over at Substack. Please make sure you are subscribed to this wherever you get your podcasts. If you could give us a rating and a review in the pod feed of your choice, that helps a lot. Please also make sure you're subscribed over at whatamimaking.substack.com. If you can afford a paid subscription, we sure would appreciate the help. It's the only way we can keep making more content, so we're going to have to have it sooner or later. If you like what we're doing here, we need some financial help. Go over to whatamimaking.substack.com and sign up for a paid subscription today. I'll be back on Wednesday with another article and a pod a week from now. Thank you so much for all of your support, your kindness, your generosity, and your feedback. Stay awesome, and I will uh, see you soon. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. to Medicine and his ADHD.